On today's episode of the John Campy Show podcast, Chris Hemsworth seems to acknowledge that Thor 4 was probably too silly. Why? And he even criticizes the MCU in the direction they're going right now. Captain America 4 officially has a brand new title, a new look for Sam, and maybe even a little hint about what could be in Captain America 5. Does the Spider-Verse success give any more hope to the possibility of a Batman Beyond animated film? The Transformers has a brand new trailer, and I gotta tell you, I really, really like this new trailer. That and a whole bunch more. The John Campy Show starts right now. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn move related show on planet Earth, the John Campia Show, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you. Our international friends gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, streaming, not just giving you our opinions, but also giving you information and context so you guys can form your own well-informed opinions, whether they're the same or completely different from ours. Joining me in here today, speaking of different opinions from everybody's, Ray Ora is here. <laughs> right beside Ray, we got Jonathan Voico. Hey, everybody. The delightful Chris Carr is here. Hey, guys. And most importantly, you guys are here. Thank you so much for being here and making this podcast a part of your day. And here's how this show is going to go. We're going to spend the first part of the show talking about those topics we already listed off. And then in the second part of the show, we're going to take questions from our YouTube channel members. We actually have a YouTube channel for those of you listening to our podcast. And on that channel, we have some channel members who support our channel. And we ask them every day to send them some topics and questions. And we're going to get through as many of those as we possibly can. With that down, let's get into this. So, we talked a little bit about this earlier today on the YouTube channel. We made a short video about this, about, you know, Thor 4 was one of the weaker links of the Thor franchise. I personally love the Thor franchise, like starting with Kenneth Branagh's first one, which I absolutely adored. The second one is arguably the worst MCU movie, Thor The Dark World. Um, then you had Thor Ragnarok, which is ironically one of the best movies in the MCU. I love Thor Ragnarok. And Thor Ragnarok did this terrific job of balancing out humor, and they had a lot of humor, but they balanced it out with some heavy themes, some really dark stuff, and a really good story and narrative and character development, all that kind of stuff, and it was wonderful. Well, then Thor Love and Thunder came out, and I remember when I came out of the theater, I did an out-of-the-theater reaction for Thor Love and Thunder, I said a couple things. One of the things I said was, I liked it. I did. I, I, I enjoyed it. It was a big step down for me from Thor Love and, for uh, from Thor Ragnarok, but I I thought it was fun. But I said, here's the thing: it leans way too much into the silly, not humor. It leaned too much into the silly. I mean, when you have Bao, the god of dumplings, you're 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 walking. You're walking a very thin line, I, I think, at that point. So, And I knew some people would have some problems with that, and I certainly had some problems with it at certain points. Oddly enough, though, the audience rating for Thor Love and Thunder, despite all the crap that people in the movie circles talk about, it still had a slightly higher than average audience score at 77%. Yeah, you really liked it. Yeah, I did. I mean, yeah. I, I again... I, I know mean, a number of people who did. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I would say even, even along the, the lines of Bao, like when he pours on uh not Mjolnir but his new axe like a little bit of beer for it to drink I was like what that that joke didn't land with me yeah. what is that so uh I mean and then they went they did the love triangle thing with the with Stormbreaker and Jane and Thor yeah they did a little bit of that so uh, the general consensus is even people who like the movie is sometimes it just got a little bit too silly now I read this a little bit earlier but in an article in Variety they were quoting a GQ interview with Chris Hemsworth where he basically does acknowledge that they went too silly with Thor, Love and Thunder. And, and he gives a pretty good explanation why. He said this, he goes, I think we just had too much fun. It just became too silly, Hemsworth said about the movie. It's always hard being in the center of it and having any real perspective. I love that he's aware of that. I love the process. It's always a ride, but you just don't know how people are going to respond. Now, what we didn't talk about in the video earlier today is he talks about who the biggest critics of Thor, Love and Thunder were. And it was his kids' friends. Uh, Hemsworth said his biggest critics were his son's friends. It's a bunch of eight-year-olds critiquing my film. 
We thought this one had too much humor. The action was cool, but the VFX weren't very good, he said. I cringe and laugh equally at it, which is kind of funny. But Chris, you know, as a performer yourself, I think there's something to be said. Or when you're involved in almost any creative endeavor, whether you're cooking or, you know, decorating your living room or making a movie or whatever, you kind of get, you're too closely connected to it. Mm -hmm. And maybe you're having a lot of fun doing it but you fail to take a step back and think, how will other people view this? How will other people yeah. see this? And Everyone you know, wants I, to be the Chris Traeger on set. Nobody wants to be Ben Wyatt. <laughs> I like that. But he says, you know, when he says, like, we were just too close, we were having a ball. We were having so much fun making it. He said, I think we lost perspective. What do you think about, number one, Hemsworth, kind of himself just coming out and acknowledging we made the movie too silly? And his explanation for it. What do you think? I think it's great. And I think, you know, it shows it shows a lot of maturity as a performer, honestly, to be able to objectively look at something and say, look, I had a ball making this, but I understand people's criticisms. Because he's also not saying, hey, you're all completely valid. Yeah, some things got a little silly. Some things were great, but I had a great time making this. So he also says in this interview, too, that he gets pretty sick of Thor every few years. And I completely understand that, too. You know, a lot of times actors have the opportunity to just take on these other roles, these new characters, and really explore other aspects of their personalities or really challenge themselves as actors. And when you're playing the same person over and over again, yes, that character gets to develop and change and everything, but you are still in that same sandbox for the most part. So Marvel really has been trying to kind of play around with Chris and Thor as well, going, okay, well, you know, we did the whole tragic Shakespeare thing. What if we now go a more rock and roll approach with it? What if we now do a bit more slapstick and everything? And not everything is going to fire on all cylinders. For me, you know, I've talked ad nauseum about how this was not my cup of tea, but that's because I so deeply love God the Gore Butcher. Mm. Or, uh, Gore the God Butcher. Wow, <laughs> screw that up. Butcher. You need to coffee. Come here. <laughs> Gore the he, he was God the Gore Butcher. He was so Lord. underutilized. He was, yeah. I, I think he was underutilized in this. And that also is my own issue, though, as a comic fan coming into this going, I know what he says in certain panels. Give me those specific lines. And that's not something really that I should do. As a fan going into things, I need to try to be a bit more objective when I go in and say, okay, let's try to take this for what it is. Let's see that. But I was so let down. So it's nice to hear him say that he understands people's criticisms. And I hope as we move forward with Thor, they find a really nice footing because Ragnarok, I thought, just really struck that balance of letting him use those humor chops that he's got yeah. because he's so freaking funny. It, Chris Hemsworth, it's so unfair. He's so talented and gorgeous and good at comedy. Like, you, man... That's cruel. Usually we each get one. We get one thing. All right. Did you ever see his Saturday Night Live sketch that he did? It was a. It was not terribly long after the first Thor movie came out. And he hosted Saturday Night Live and they did one of their fake commercials where I can't remember. It was supposed to be like a watch commercial. But he goes, you know, I remember when I went in for my first Thor audition and they said, no, no, you don't understand. We're casting for Thor. We're not looking for actual Thor. And he just talks about how... <laughs> I finished the audition. I went home and had sex with four beautiful women. And then, like, he just he just talks about himself. But it's it's he is a brilliant performer. But you know, the thing is, too, I hear a lot of criticism about Thor: Love and Thunder, and I think one of the pieces of criticism that I always kind of argue against is that it had too much humor. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as too much humor. If the humor works. I haven't heard anybody say there's too much humor in Spider-Man uh, across the Spider-Verse. And I bet you if you do a pure joke for joke count, it's going to be close to what Thor Love and Thunder was. The difference is there wasn't nearly as many or any parts in, in Spider-Man across Spider-Verse where the joke made you roll your eyes. And so, you know, I think you look at Thor Love and Thunder, the problem wasn't that it was too much humor. It was there wasn't enough humor that worked. Because like, I get it. Oh, the love triangle joke with Jane, Thor, and, and the axe. Okay, I laughed the first time. I didn't laugh the next eight times they did it, you know? They should have moved on to other humor or other jokes. Whereas in Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, like the humor just, it all worked. And so we don't notice it, right? And you don't notice the sheer amount of it. But I like the fact that he's so cognizant of this. All right. With that down, guys, let's move on to this, shall we? So we, after watching uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we saw the ultimate kind of conclusion, if you will, of the Steve Rogers story with Steve Rogers passing over the shield to Sam. 
to Anthony Mackie. And by the end of it, he embraces the mantle of Captain America, all that kind of good stuff. And now we're heading into Captain America, New World Order. I've never loved the title, New World Order. I get, we, t- we made a video about this earlier today, but I always joked, all I could think about was Hulk Hogan walking down the wrestling ring with Jimi Hendrix playing in the background. Yes. That's, that's all I could hear. And, and it's kind of a very 90s title to me. Well, Anthony Mackie put out a social media post today. I believe it was on Instagram. It's a picture of him and Harrison Ford talking behind set. And it basically said, when Harrison Ford tells you how ass kicking should happen on camera, you listen. And which is good. But then he also said a couple of other interesting things. The big thing is that he said, Captain America, brave new world coming to theaters May 2024. So he's confirmed it. It's official. Captain America 4 now has a new title. No longer is it Captain America New World Order. It is now Captain America Brave New World. So we'll get to that in just a second. The other thing he mentioned was in relation to Harrison Ford saying, when Harrison Ford tells you how to kick ass on screen, blah, blah, blah. He goes, thank you for my advice, my friend. Can't wait to do it again. Mm. Or can't wait for next time or something like that. Which, hey, maybe we're reading into it, but that kind of tells me that Harrison Ford's coming back to play Thunderbolt Ross again. Uh, Which tells me that Thunderbolt Ross doesn't die in this movie. Which, again, I don't think hearing that a character doesn't die is a spoiler. I don't, I don't think, I think it's ridiculous to consider that information a spoiler. Um, finding out a character dies in a movie, that could be you know, arguably different. But anyway, Chris, you weren't here when we did this one a little bit earlier. What do you think about, number one, the new title? Uh, do you think it was a good idea that they had to change it? Do you think it's better or worse? Does it really mean anything? And then also, what do you think about his little comment about can't wait to come back and do it again or something like that? I'm paraphrasing. What do you think about all First that? First of all, I wildly appreciate the NWO reference. Heck yes. <laughs> um, all I can think of with this new one, though, is Aldous Huxley. So is this like that novel where we're going to talk about, you know, a populace being run by the state? Mm. Is that going to be something that factors in here? Or is that a little too heady? And am I reading too much into this and taking that literary reference way too seriously? I do like the title, though. I think it's great because it can it can contain a multitude of things, too. It could simply be diving into Sam's reign as Captain America, too, how we're entering a new kind of world and everything with this new scope, this new uh, perspective on things. Um, I love that Harrison Ford is going to come back. I think that's fun. <laughs> love Harrison Ford. I, again, though, I'm always just, man, that man has been working for so long, you guys. And as long as he wants to keep working, great. But when is he going to rest? Well, I'll tell you what, not only has he been, <laughs> he is working a lot lately. He's working yeah. so much. Because there was a big period of time there where he was kind of like over it and just doing very, very few things. But I mean, he's got Indiana Jones. He's got the MCU now. He's got shrinking. Well, he's and got with the... shrinking, it feels like there's this revitalization. Yeah, we've like he's about loving this. his job again. Yeah, because for a while, and I love Harrison Ford. I think he's an absolute global treasure, and I would never besmirch him. But sometimes it has felt like he's just shown up as Harrison Ford and called it a day because he has earned that right to just be Harrison Ford in something. Is this the Ford Saunasons? This, this might be the, <laughs> the Ford, Ford Saunasons. This is, you know, with shrinking in particular, he is giving this tour de force performance that is so moving and funny and raw and i think that there's this kind of new life being breathed into his career from his own perspective of oh i've got these chops i really should fucking utilize them i'm harrison ford so it's nice to see him doing all this it's a weird I, i never thought the day would come that today when i think of harrison like right now this morning if harrison ford comes up Shrinking is what comes into my head. Yep. It's not Indiana Jones. It's not Han Solo. Now, don't get me wrong. At, when I think about Harrison Ford and Tola, I'll always think of Han Solo. But I mean, like this morning, you just say Harrison Ford to me, I'm thinking of Shrinking. Absolutely he's, think of Paul. He's yeah. going to get an Emmy nomination for that. A thousand percent. Oh, my gosh. Um, I wanted to ask Ray this because we didn't get to Ray when we talked about this earlier. But Ray, you like the... Do you like the title change? Do you like the look of the costume? Are you looking forward to this? I, I mean, I don't know. What are you thinking about it? I... The title change, it, it didn't really make a difference to me. I, I can't see how that that one word, I think it's just one word, right? Like they well, added new brave world in it. Order, brave, um, yeah, you're right. It's just one word difference. Yeah. Um, and I rearranged a little bit. I With Harrison Ford in it, and then you, like you mentioned earlier, IMDb, sometimes they don't get their information right. So I was looking at the cast on IMDb. I don't know if that's even correct, but I'm looking forward to seeing if she is in it. Rose Salazar, who played, uh, was Alita. 
That's right. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I noticed she's in the the cast um, list. In, yeah, in the list on IMDb. Okay. I'm very interested to know what she's doing there. I Liv Tyler's listed in it too. Huh. As far as the story goes, I have no idea. I have no idea where it goes. All I hope is it's it's in the way of a uh, Winter Soldier, Captain America. Winter I agree, Soldier. and it sounds like looks. they're going that way, right? And I always welcome grounded MCU stories mm -hmm. because we've been so far out. I mean, we we just had Guardians three. We can come back to Earth for a little bit. Well, I mean, look, at, we did in the last couple of films that we've had Guardians three, which is like way out in outer space. We had Quantumania, which is out in the quantum realm. We had Multiverse of Madness, which is it'll be nice just to bring. That's part of the reason why I think I love Ms. Marvel so much. It's just this girl living in this neighborhood and going to high school. Like I kind of miss that. And also the return of Daredevil. I know we're going to be grounded with that at least a little bit. You know, at least we'll be on Earth. I Maybe. Think. Maybe. <laughs> I'm not we, taking anything for granted. We got Secret granted. Invasion coming up. Maybe that ties into this film. I don't know. It probably does, right? I don't probably. Know. I don't think so. Well, we'll see. We'll I see. did that, Armor Wars. As far as excitement level, it has to come closer to the release for me to get excited for a movie I like this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Listen, we've got a few more things that we're going to talk about, but before we do, we're going to take a quick second here and thank a couple of sponsors of today's episode of The John Campia Show, our friends at Honey and my mobile service provider, Mint Mobile. Today's episode of The John Campy Show is brought to you by Honey, the easy way to save when shopping on your iPhone or computer. Guys, more and more, we enjoy shopping online, whether it's on our phones or our computers. And how many times have you gotten to the checkout and seen that promo code box and thought, man, if I only had a promo code, I could save some money. Well, thanks to Honey, manually searching for coupon codes is a thing of the past. Honey is the free shopping tool that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one it finds to your cart. So here's the situation. You're shopping online on one of your favorite sites. And when you go to checkout, the Honey button appears and all you have to do is click apply coupons. Then just wait a few Few seconds as honey works its magic and searches for coupons it can find for that site that you're on and if honey finds working coupon just watch the price drop. Recently, Ann and I were hanging out at home one evening and we decided to order in and the honey button appeared. I was able to apply a coupon and I actually saved like six or seven bucks. It was that easy to use. And honey doesn't just work on your desktop computer. It also works on your iPhone. Just activate it on Safari on your phone and save on the go. If you don't already have honey, you could be straight up missing out. And by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting this show. Get honey for free at joinhoney.com slash Campia. That's joinhoney.com slash Campia. We want to thank a sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, your utility bills and favorite streaming services, inflation is everywhere. Seriously, make it stop. Thankfully, there's one company out there that's giving you a much needed break. It's Mint Mobile. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just $15 a month. You guys know that ever since I switched to Mint Mobile, I've been saving almost 70% a month over my old phone plan. For people Looking for extra savings this year? Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just $15 a month. By going online only and eliminating the traditional cost of retail, Mint Mobile passes the significant savings on to you. All of their plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just $15 a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash campia. That's mintmobile.com slash campia. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at Honey and Mint Mobile for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show podcast. All right, guys. With that down, uh, let's get over to a Mint Mobile hotline question of the day. If you guys have a question for the show or for our YouTube channel to make a video of, go ahead and call it in 24-7 at 951-268-4259. And today's question has to do with the success of Spider-Verse and the possibility of a Batman Beyond project. Check it out. Hey, John and crew, this is uh, Gavin, big fan of the show. My question for you guys is, you know, I saw Into the Spider-Verse last weekend and absolutely was blown away by it. It's amazing. I love the first one. And it got me thinking about Batman Beyond and how they've been talking about trying to revive that uh, since it got canceled. 
And what better guess than maybe a Batman Beyond style version of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse uh, type animation. I don't know. Uh, what do you guys think? Is that something that would work? Do they have to tweak it a bit? Let me know what you guys think. It's always kid filthy. All right, Gavin. Thanks a lot for calling that in. You know, for, oh, God, uh, I, I want to say 10, 15 years, I've been asked the question about, don't you think it would be great? Don't you think it'll be huge if they do a Batman Beyond movie? They're going to do one any minute now. And I would say, no, they're not. They're not. Yeah, we noticed. Yep. I think you might have seen me say that once or twice. They're not. And for 15 years, I've been right. A lot of things I've been wrong about. But on this one, I was right. Every time they're going to make a Batman Beyond any time now. I'm like, no, they're not. And sure enough, they wouldn't. Here we are 15 years later. I said, nobody will care about it. Nobody will care. Batman is one person. It is Bruce Wayne. That's it. Uh, nobody cares about Batman Beyond. Everyone uh, does. Terry McGinnis is great. Uh-huh. And go go stand in front of the AMC Burbank 16 when a movie, any movie gets out and say, do you know who Terry McGinnis is? And they're going to say, is that a uh, NFL Sunday reporter or yes. something? They're going to have no idea who you're talking about. What's an NFL Sunday? <laughs> oh, yeah, but I, I, I'm going to turn that around on you. Before oh, yeah. the Spider-Verse, if you went outside well, of a theater and said, who's Miles Morales? Well, I have made that point myself many oh, times. okay. Well. So then came along <laughs> wow. Spider-Man wow. across wow. the Spider-Verse, or right. into the Spider-Verse. Right. Back in 2018, along came Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Along came a Spider-Verse. And I had the same thought going in. It's like, I, first of all, I didn't like the look of the movie myself going into it, which is why you always leave your expectations at the door. Because I didn't think that it was going to be any good. And kind of along the same lines, I thought... The general average movie going on don't care about Miles Morales. Nobody even knows who he is. Why bother doing this? Blah, blah, blah. Which is part of it was a brilliant, brilliant on their part to make Peter Parker a part of that movie as well for the marketing aspect at any rate. But then again, I came out of Into the Spider-Verse. Absolutely adored the film. One of my favorite films. Third favorite film of the entire year that year. I thought it was the best comic book movie of the year. Loved it. But one of the things that I said after it was that, you know what? After seeing Across the Spider-Verse, or Into the Spider-Verse, I said, still not live action, but I think the chances of a Batman Beyond animated film may have just gone up about 40%. Like, again, I I didn't say I'd put money that it's going to get made, and certainly not a live action thing. But after the success of Into the Spider-Verse, a Batman Beyond animated movie... I think just, and by the way, not a continuation or any kind of the old animated show. It would have to be totally fresh, a totally new approach to it. But I thought the chances went up significantly. Now, five years have passed since then and still nothing on a Batman Beyond. So what about Across the Spider-Verse? Which just did three to four times the opening weekend that Into the Spider-Verse did. Made over $120 million this past weekend, which is crazy. So what does that now do for a beyond, a Batman Beyond possibility? I, I I think the same thing. I think again the chances have gone up. I mean the last one didn't cause a Batman Beyond, but I still thought the chances went up. And now with the success here, I again think the chances have gone up. I wouldn't put money on a studio being interested in investing 120 million dollars in making a Batman Beyond movie. I'm still not entirely sure it would succeed. But I think the chances today, right now, June 6th, 2023, there has never been a better opportunity and never been a better chance that a Warner Brothers might pull the trigger and say, you know what? Look at the success they had with Spider-Verse. Maybe it's time we take another crack at Terry McGinnis. And I wouldn't blame them if they did. Now, I, I do think they would have to do everything in their power to avoid the stylization of Across the Spider-Verse because then it's just going to look like they're trying to rip off Across the Spider-Verse. Do their own thing. Do their own unique thing. Again, if I'm a Warner Brothers exec, I'm not saying I would greenlight it. I'm not even guaranteeing you they will greenlight it. I just think today the chances are greater than they've ever been before, and it owes it all to Sony and their Spider-Verse films. Chris, you have been... A staunch defender a of Batman Beyond. A wonderfully naive defender of the Batman How yeah. dare you. Wildly <laughs> correct woman of the people. Thank yes. you very much. Yep. Let's go Batman Beyond crew. Yeah. Yes. 15 years, we still don't have it. And But but what do you think about I the idea no of Spider-Verse? I had no power 15 years ago. I was but a wee baby. What do you think about the idea of the Spider-Verse? And do you think its success helps the chances 
of a Batman Beyond, or do you think it's really rather irrelevant either way? Oh, I think it definitely helps. I think if you're James Gunn and Peter Safran, you are definitely looking at this and going, so guys, that plan we were coming up with of making animation and video games and movies all work in a synergistic way, boop, let's look at this. That's doing it and doing it well. Let's take that as a model and see what we can nice do here. Hello, cool J. Thank you. <laughs> so I think they're definitely going to be looking to this to try to implement this into their own DCU. Now, when it comes to Batman Beyond, we <laughs> talked about this on Weekly Hero. There is an amazing storyline, Batman Neo Year. Oh my gosh, that is the story that you can use. It is so good. <laughs> it is an amazing one. It deals with the living Gotham. It deals with death and heartbreak and taking on the mantle from your mentor. And oh, it's so amazing. So the stories are absolutely there. And to your point about the animation style, you know, Spider-Verse really did break boundaries in animation. Yeah, it really did. If we go back though, Batman the Animated Series also broke boundaries in animation. All of that was animated starting on black and then adding color to it and everything. Mm. So you got this moody, gothic, very, very dark Gotham that we all really believe is kind of the viewpoint for Gotham now, right? It borrowed from Tim Burton, but Paul Dini and all of them really, really made it, and Bruce Tim made it their own. And I think that was kind of the aesthetic that we went, this is Batman for years to come. And I feel like we're getting that with Spider-Verse, too. This incredible, bombastic, wonderful, diverse art is going to be this Spider-Verse kind of look, right? So DC has a really cool opportunity to really play and experiment and see what that kind of Neo-Gotham can look like. This futuristic Blade Runner-inspired world, which is just I think any animator's dream to play around with those kinds of aesthetics. Mm. Hey, not only are you animating for Gotham, which it is in itself a character, you get to do the wild futuristic people are being hybrids of animals and inserting tech into themselves, all kinds of nonsense Gotham. That's really, really cool. Mm. And I think people would be chomping at the bit to be part of that. And I think the people want to see it. The the 3% of the people who Come even on. know the who Batman Beyond how is. Dare you. How dare you? Imagine the score to that. You put out a trailer and sell it, then it's going to be a lot of people who want to see it. I think she brought up... Oh, sorry, John. Um, I think she brought up two important people. James Gunn, Peter Saffron. Saffron. Yeah. They've never voiced their opinion <clears throat> on Batman Beyond. That's what has No, they me, haven't. That's what has me worried. If... If they start talking about the property, then of course I'm gonna believe they're they're but they haven't mentioned it at all, which kind of sucks. You know what I mean? I mean, I want someone who loves the property to bring us a movie, not someone who doesn't care for it and is just doing it because some people want I don't it. Think but, but I would it, also you know? say I would also say I think there's probably a lot of characters we haven't heard them talk about exactly. yet. Exactly. Yeah. We're just in that preliminary phase of phase one essentially you don't you don't come right out of the gate and announce that no you keep Terry McGinnis yeah. for a moment yeah. to yourself but I'll tell you what let me let me let me jump onto your side of the bench for a second the right here's, side correct here, <laughs> here's right another side. reason why like if I'm in the room and James Gunn came up to me and said what what are what would be some positives about doing a Batman what what are some arguments that maybe we could take a shot at doing Batman beyond John I would say this to James Besides everything else we already said, right? I think the other thing that is going in a Batman Beyond's favor here is that it would be totally Elseworlds, mm. right? Like you try, there's an inherent risk with this big interconnected universe DC thing that they're trying to do right now that every movie could have negative implications on other movies, right? Because they're all interconnected. The great thing about Batman Beyond, if you're trying to get one made here, is that, guess what? Hey, listen, your risk is limited. There's limited risk. Because let's say we do a Batman Beyond. And let's say it sucks. I mean, just for argument's sake. Let's say it sucks and nobody goes sees it. You know what? Okay. It can be a no one and done. harm done to anything else in the DCEU because it's futuristic. It's not really a part of the DCU. So yes, you're rolling the dice. You're spending a couple hundred million dollars taking a shot, but your risk is limited. So I would say there's almost nothing else in your repertoire right now that is not going to have that kind of risk except Batman Beyond. It's, it's like if it works, awesome. We have a new self-contained franchise, just like Matt Reeves's Batman. So you have a brand new, and if it doesn't work, oh, well, okay. Yeah. You, you lost some money on the movie. Okay. But it doesn't affect our overall plan. Give it a shot. Well, and the great thing about an Elseworlds concept too, is you can or cannot use your cast. 
they can still exist in that version of Gotham or they can't. So if you do the animated route and you bring back Will Friedle as voicing Terry McGinnis, mm. if you choose to do some live action stuff later on, you could swap actors if you wanted to because Will doesn't act on camera anymore, right? If you want to have Keaton in both versions of those, you could do that if you wanted to because it has this pocket universe quality where we've seen with multiverses, sometimes it's the same person, sometimes it's some kind of variation of that. You can really do whatever you want and see whatever the actor wants to do too. Hey, I definitely want to say, uh, sign up for the live action. Not so sure about the animated or vice versa. All right, guys. Question is for you. What do you think about this? I've been fielding this question for 15 years and we're still asking the same question. But I honestly believe today the chance, if you're going to do one, there's never been a better time. There's never been a better time and I don't think the chances have ever been better for a Batman Beyond to get an animated feature film treatment. What do you see as the potential pros? What do you see as the potential cons? Have you ever even heard of Terry McGinnis? Would you be interested in a totally different, slightly futuristic version of a Batman film? How do you think the average movie going audience would respond to it? Whatever you guys think about this, jump down to the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, with that down guys, now let's do one more thing here today, shall we? And and that one's this. You know, I remember when um, Transformers Rise of the Beasts put out their first trailer. I remember I was in Vegas at the time. I can't remember why I was in Vegas at the time, but you guys were, were doing the show here. And uh, Jonas I think Brothers concert? I was my probably a <laughs> Jonas Brothers concert that my wife has taken me to two of them now. Um this is, hey, guys, lessons in how to be a good husband. Your wife wants you to go to a concert with her, you go. Uh, and by the way, they were actually better than I thought they would be. That being said, <laughs> that all being said, I remember thinking to myself, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me four times, you know, shame on me. And I was like everybody else. I was, I had ran out of enthusiasm for the Transformers franchise. I liked the first movie. Hated every other one until Bumblebee came along. Travis Knight, the director of Kubo and the Two Strings, did such a magnificent job. Almost single-handedly resurrecting that franchise to me because that was a wonderful movie. Bumblebee was wonderful. So then years pass, they don't do a sequel, and then we find out they're doing Rise of the Beasts. And unfortunately, Travis Knight didn't come back. They went out and got a very good director, uh, and Stephen Kappel, who directed Creed 2. But I think the first trailer played, and I thought the first trailer was good, but a lot of people thought it just looked like another Michael Bay one. And I think a lot of people just assumed that Michael Bay must have directed it because it looked like just another Michael Bay one, and it turned a lot of people off. They showed a new trailer at CinemaCon that I really quite liked, and today they dropped what they're calling their final trailer, well, it better be the final one because the movie opens in a couple of days. Ray, we're going to go see it tomorrow night. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you what, we just sat down and watched this trailer. I thought it was awesome. I thought the trailer was awesome. It, it, it had that kinetic energy, that bombastic Transformers feel, the action, seeing like a, even just the camera angle choices, this low looking up camera angle of an Optimus Prime just walking towards something. I got chills. I got I got I got bumps on my arm. You guys can't see it. I've literally <laughs> got bumps on my arms. I got chills looking at it. And listen, I'm not a Beast Wars guy. I'm not I'm a, I'm more of a Transformers G1 guy. I'm not really a Beast Wars guy. But when what what's his name? Optimus Maximal or Maxim is it Maximal? Is that yeah. his name? anyway? Optimus, Optimus Primal. Primal. Optimus Primal. Thank you. They're called the Maximals, right? Optimus Primal. When he's standing there in his huge gorilla beast mode and he like hammers one arm and this big blade comes out of one side, I'm like, I don't know what he's about to fight, but I want to watch that fight. <laughs> Whatever's about to happen, I want in. I want to be a part of this. I got to tell you, this is a movie that my excitement level has built more and more leading up to it. Here's my worry. I've done this dance before. Every time a shitty Transformers movie comes out, I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to be fooled again. And then I see a trailer. I'm like, well, that looks pretty good. Fool me five and, times. And then the <laughs> yep. And then the second trailer comes out. I'm like, oh, now, then the final trailer goes, oh, no way. This Transformers 4 is going to be amazing. I'm so excited. And then I go in and it, you know, Dick slaps me across the face. Whoa. It's like, Whoa. Ha, ha, ha. We fooled you again. 
We fooled you again. Transformer dick, so. <laughs> ching, 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 ching. It's like, yeah. we fooled you again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not a mushroom print, but like a wrench. Yeah. Yeah. So. Deep bruising. Well, here I am again. Here I am again, but I but I got to call what it is. I'm excited to see this movie. I'm actually really excited for tomorrow night to go and watch this damn thing. By the way, keep your guys' eyes open on the YouTube channel where we're doing our out-of-the-theater reaction to the movie uh, once we do. Uh, but, Ray, you're going to see this movie tomorrow night. Well, honestly, I, I don't know. Like, are you excited for this movie? I'm are you very, very excited. I wanted to bring up Bum- Bumblebee again. The reason why that, well, it worked for me was because... It wasn't some supercar. It was just some beat up, bum, you know, Bumblebee yeah. Volkswagen. Volkswagen bug, yeah. Yeah. And I love the the parts where you could feel like the scale and feel that this could be real. Like mm. when he, Bumblebee was in the garage and he was yeah. hiding, you knew how big Bumblebee was. I love noticing things like that where it's like, oh, Bumblebee can fit in my garage too. Like even <laughs> as a robot, even, even as a robot. I like the little things like that where... Michael Bay's Transformers left me is when they started becoming ridiculous, going to places that I couldn't, you know. And magic. You know what? You're they lost. Well, no, they lost me in a the balls, the balls. Well, well, yeah, that was that was ridiculous. Stupid. It, the little racist robots, all that kind of stuff. But the thing I remember, too, like <laughs> the one thing was when they had the, uh, the the Decepticons that could just look human. Oh, now they can do that. Oh, now they can do like again. It's kind of like the Iron Man armor, which nanotechnology can do anything. It becomes witchcraft. And like when you see in this trailer, this Transformers, when Optimus uh, turns into ro- the robot inside that garage, that dark garage, I love the way that looks. It's almost, it's not, it's just in a storage house somewhere. I love when it's like just down to earth stuff. Of course, when you get the end where it's a big battle somewhere. I don't know even know if it's on this planet, but oh, it definitely um, is. I do like what I see. I'm very excited. I can't wait. Like I said, this is an event to me. And from what I've heard at CinemaCon, like the whispers, they everyone reassured me I won't be disappointed. So, yeah, I talked to, I talked to somebody at Paramount that said, "Look, look, everyone at Paramount, uh, they're I'm not I'm obviously not going to say who, yeah. but it's but it's a it's a big job title. It is a big job title of somebody at Paramount." He said, "Look, everyone around here knows that the Transformers franchise dropped the ball several times. We really believe in this film. And I was like, all right, Sonny, you know, about your grounded thing, the comment about feeling really grounded and real. One of my favorite scenes in all of the Transformers movies is in Bumblebee. And it's a silly little thing. When he just goes into the house. Yeah. And he's just like knocking things down. And if I read that on the script, I would have thought, well, that scene's going to be dumb. But it, it was joyous it was just it was so charming like, bumblebee's like knocking everything yeah, like, and trying to fix things and transformers I was, great. was like your robot pal like in the, at yes. the series right mm-hmm. but from the first one that michael bay did there were aliens like they were introduced as aliens and i always felt they were aliens until bumblebee yeah know? where it felt yeah where you felt like oh that's my friend and, and the funny that's thing my is, weird friend that i can't introduce to anybody that's the movie that actually starts on an alien planet bumblebee right. yeah. starts on cybertron which that opening was so good and then they came here chris i mean we just watched the final trailer what did you think about the trailer and where where is your enthusiasm right now and has it changed from what it was six months ago i have been on the hype train for this i think when we first saw the trailer ray and i both at the same time were like <laughs> That looks so stupid. Let's go. <laughs> I know. We did. We, we did. We, we were did. so excited about it. I think this is great. As a kid, I wasn't a huge Transformers fan. I watched Beast Wars a little bit when it was on TV and everything. And I really enjoyed the first Transformers film. And I love Bumblebee. I think that movie's so, so great. So I am looking forward to this. I, I really love Anthony Ramos, too. So yeah. I'm excited to see him in this. I really just want him to thrive. I think he's such an incredible actor. I'm so, so pumped for him. I I will once again be suffering through 40X to see this no. early. Oh. The Regal Theater that I go to only does their early screenings in 40X, in 40X oh. which my husband freaking loves and he's so happy about each time. <laughs> so he is, thinks it's so great and I'm just miserable and I don't have snacks anymore because I don't like my food being thrown everywhere. Yeah. Is that 40X in Glendale that has a 40X? I mean, 
Is that Regal and Glendale? Does that have the 40X or, or not Glendale? I'm sorry. North I go Hollywood. the North Hollywood one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Which, See, that's, like, that's great one little of those theater. Things in, in divorce court, you just go, You're on, he takes me to 40X theater, and the judge is just like, Say no more for divorce. Well, and movies. then the only one I like, I loved the Little Mermaid 40X, and he was furious because the water didn't work. And I was like, this oh, is great. what? <laughs> I would have gotten a refund. I would be thinking, wow, you're like, that's supposed to work. I hate it. Mermaid. I usually turn it off. Confirmed. Ray likes being sprayed in the face. Yeah, sprayed Just in saying. the face all night long. Oh, not long. <laughs> things are happening. I don't know much. Sorry. <laughs> that was a beep. That was an off-camera thing. Never mind. That was something we were doing before we started the show. Never mind. Totally separate thing. <sighs> all right, guys. What do you think uh, about all this? I, I, I'm just curious. Are you guys looking forward to this Transformers movies? Maybe you're like, ah, you fooled me too many times with that Transformers. Uh, or maybe you like me and I, I should have learned my lesson. But I got to tell you, I keep wanting to go back and I want to love this Transformers movie. Here's hoping that we will. All right, guys. With that down, we're going to go over and start taking questions that our YouTube channel members have sent in to us. But before we get to those, we want to take a second and thank another sponsor of today's episode, you want yourselves being nice and clean-shaven and smooth and smell good. You need our friends at Manscaped. Uh-oh, Father's Day is right around the corner and you haven't gotten your dad anything yet? Don't worry. That's where our sponsors, Manscaped, come in. You and I both know he needs some serious grooming in his life, so grab your dad the Performance Package 4.0 and he'll thank you for helping him tame that beastly hair. Go to manscaped.com and use code CAMPIA for 20% off plus free shipping. Guys, I don't know if your dad's anything like mine, but where my dad lacks some hair on top of his head, believe me, he makes up for it everywhere else on his body and Manscaped is perfect for him. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below the waist grooming and perfected their game with the Lawnmower 4.0. This is the perfect gift presenting a sleek, well-designed and optimized grooming kit that says your balls will thank you right on the box. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. This upgraded trimmer includes a multifunction on-off switch that can engage a travel lock. This is great for any guy who does a lot of traveling. It also gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Haven't you always wanted to be able to shave your balls in the dark? And come on guys, almost all of our dads have that nose bush sticking out of their nose, right? Well, the Weed Whacker 2.0, the nose and ear hair trimmer, is the best nose trimmer on the market and the perfect gift for your dad. Guys, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code CAMPIA. Don't forget, you came from your dad's balls, so this year, show your original home some love with Manscaped. And thank you to our friends at Manscaped for sponsoring this episode of the John Campius Show podcast. All right, guys, that down. Let's get over to our viewers' questions. Chris, what do we got? From CJ Rebirth. Happy 15 years to the first Kung Fu Panda movie. Wow. It came out 15 15 years years ago. How dare you? I love this movie so much as a young teen back then, especially Jack Black and uh, CeeLo's cover of Kung Fu Fighting. Hmm. Oh, fast forward to earlier this year, I got to meet Lucy Liu, oh, who wow. I always forget does Viper's voice in the series. Mm. I really like, I've always liked Lucy Liu. Like ever since she, the first time I noticed Lucy Liu, or that I was aware of her, was on um, uh, The Lawyer Show, uh, Harrison Ford's wife. Oh, oh Allie McBeal. Allie McBeal mm-hmm. was on Allie McBeal. That's where I first recognized, I, I've really liked her. By the way, at CinemaCon this year, there'll never be footage of this anywhere. Jack Black came out on stage he said, it's way too early. We have no trailer. So I'm going to act it out for you. And he literally acts out the basic idea of the movie. Well, like in a kind of Disney bounding Poe outfit too. Yes. Which he's been doing a lot of lately. It's Chef's kiss. Awesome. So good. It was so good. <laughs> Cannot wait. 15 years. Since 15 the first... years. Oh. All right. What's next? All right. One second. It's like reordered on me. Oh, Here golly. From Cash. Hi, John and crew. Have you heard of You Hurt My Feelings? It's probably my favorite movie of the year thus far, besides Blackberry. A24 doesn't miss. Yes, I really want to go see this. I'm not even familiar with it. Uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus is in this, and she is a writer, and her husband, um, I believe, is played by Toby McKenzie. Is that correct? The guy from The Crown? Is that who is her husband? Maybe. I've seen the poster Um, for it. Okay. Yeah, it's a, a moment of he doesn't like her work and she finds out about it mm-hmm. um, and kind of them navigating that relationship. Um, they have a son and everything, too. It looks it looks like a very quaint slice of life movie. All right. What's next? 
From Logan Hoyne, not a big fan of how the prequels had Anakin murder children and makes his redemption in Return of the Jedi harder to accept. Wish they would have just shown him killing Jedi Masters instead. Uh, you're talking about a guy who is responsible for killing billions. You don't think he probably killed some kids? Yeah. <laughs> well, they got all the kids off of... Uh planets oh yeah yeah that's right they evacuated <laughs> just so you know we're about to us. blow up your planet so get the kids off first mm -hmm. i they did titanic rules they were yeah. like women and children get in your lifeboats i i listen i will say one of the infinite number of problems with those garbage prequels was uh that the it was like one moment he was anakin the next moment he's killing children mm-hmm it, there was no path between part A and part B. It was just, all right, let's go kill the kids. That was weird. But, I mean, it's Darth Vader. I mean, he, listen, if you're worried about him killing those one bunch of kids, he's killed millions of kids. Millions of yeah. kids. So I, I wouldn't worry about that It part. would have been nice to have a beaten there just for him to, you know, grow to that level of hate. <laughs> because, you know, yeah. child slave, grew up with, you know, adults taking advantage of him, all this stuff. You'd think there'd be some kind of through line of not the children, not the younglings. Yeah. But then he'd ultimately go with the dark side. Nope. And they're the first but instead, ones. Instead, first he's ones like, y'all want me out. to kill kids? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, the turn in the movie was real fast. It's, it was it's real, not even real a fast. turn. It's a hard Yui. He yeah. like saved him from being killed by um, Samuel L. Jackson. He's like, kill everyone? Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, what's next? From Advith Green. Honest Trailers is out for the Transformers movie 1986. Enjoy, Campion. Oh, God, I have such a hatred of that movie. <laughs> such a big... I won't go into it again. You've all heard my rant on it, but eh, I, I'm going to have to go watch that, though. I will have to watch that. All right, what's next? From Gannon. Hey, crew, just saw that Fast X is hitting digital this Friday, June 9th. Do you like the move by Universal? Seems a little quick, but maybe it's the right call. So we talked about this, I think maybe on yesterday's podcast, mm -hmm. that Microsoft, it hadn't been confirmed by Universal, now it has. Microsoft had started advertising pre-sales for a June 9th digital release of Fast X. This is Universal admitting defeat. Um... It looks like Fast X is not going to break even, which is inconceivable to me. Inconceivable. Uh, inconceivable. Um, you keep using that word. I, I, <laughs> it is crazy to think that this movie's not going to. Now, again, it, the cost of this, this movie's made $600 million so far. And by almost any other measure, that's great. Make $600 million? That's 1.5 Black Adams. I mean, that's. <laughs> That's great. Well done about oh guys driving cars. Why not? But when your movie cost $340 million, when your movie is one of the most expensive films in the history of cinema and a very robust marketing campaign, bare minimum. Like I said, I believe this movie needs to make $750 to make to break even. But I'm the low on the low end. Most, a lot of other outlets are saying like $800 million they need to break even. 800, I've even seen as high as 820 million, but some people are estimating. And it's not going to get there. And this move is just universal waving the white flag saying, well, this didn't work. Let's get it on digital as quick as we can and try to make up as much VOD money as we can. But it's uh, it's not a good look. But yes, this is universal waving the white flag. That's yeah, a total Hail Mary. All right, what's next? From Blake Mason, I'm going to Las Vegas in July for only my second time and want to know a good hotel to stay at for the good Vegas experience. I didn't get a chance to stay in a hotel the first time I went. Um, I'm going to Vegas this weekend. Ooh. <laughs> Actually, my wife, Anne, is uh, is right now. Uh, I'm fine today because she only left Sunday. Tomorrow is when Grumpy John probably starts showing up. And that's why I have off. Uh, yeah, I, I get... I don't do... I hate admitting this. I don't do well when Anne's not around. I get... <laughs> I, anyway, so Anne's off at work. She's the VP of her company and she had to fly out to the East Coast for her. But uh, we decided that when she's flying back, instead of flying back into LA, she's going to fly into Vegas. So I'm going to drive out there and meet her and we're going to hang out in Vegas for the weekend. We go to Vegas Fun. like seven times a year. But it depends on how you're going to Vegas. Like if it's, if Budget is a real concern. You're trying to do it very inexpensively. 
Uh, there are hotels like Flamingo are good because um, that's still a pretty nice little hotel. Luxor in New York are, are Luxor, fine. New York. And and listen, I know a lot of people think it's it's got a bad rap right now. I don't mind it is the Rio. You're a little bit off the strip, but they have cabs there. They'll sh- shoot you over. And there's you, a monorail. And it's got the mon- Does mm-hmm. the monorail go to Rio? I think it might. I for sure know Luxor and all of those. You can yeah, I don't that, think it goes across it go the highway, far? though, mm. to Rio. But still, it's pretty close. Yeah. And no joke, you can get rooms at Rio, which are big rooms, for like $30 a night. Uh, other than that, I would say stay at Caesars because you're right in the heart of the strip. And you never even have to leave the resort because at Caesars, you have more restaurants there than you'll ever be able to eat at. They've got the the uh, great shopping. They've got shows. It's a wonderful casino. Uh, stay at Caesars if you can, but then you're spending about $200 to $300 yeah. a night. But if you're going for like a weekend, two nights, and you can splurge that, I'd say go for Caesars. Mm-hmm. All right, what's next? From Ulatan, Landmark Cinemas in British Columbia has a Dolby Atmos laser theater, and it was great for Across the Spider-Verse. I'm surprised to hear other Atmos theaters had audio issues. Well, I'm starting to hear now that they may have fixed the audio issue. Um, the nice thing about modern movie going is, you know, back in the day, like 10 years ago. <laughs> Bane? <laughs> back in the day, 10 years ago. Like if uh, they needed a a fixed print, they literally had to pack up this giant film canister, load it onto a truck, ship it across the country to all the theaters to get these new things, right? Well, maybe that's more like 15 years ago. But today, all they have to do is fix it in their post house and then upload it to the server and then the theaters can download and have a fixed copy of it. So hopefully that has been fixed Uh, because Jonathan saw across the Spider-Verse last night, and you said you had no problem with the audio, no, right? I could see where in the opening like montage that with her voice and the, the music going on, I could see where if it wasn't right, people would be like, what? Yeah, what and it say? wasn't right when I saw it. But I, I definitely could hear it. Now, I wish the theater itself had just gained everything. It felt like-, like Up the volume it overall? It felt like if you like cleared your throat, you could hear it clearly. Like It, it should have been louder in the theater mm-hmm. overall, but the mix was great. All right, good. All right, what's next? From King Edward, I feel bad for Tom Holland. He's having the Robert Downey Jr. effect. Play an iconic Marvel hero and then have misses in every subsequent uh, project aside from a mildly successful film about another iconic character. Sherlock Holmes, Nathan Drake. His Fred Astaire movie begins production in early 2024. Let's hope it's a win for my boy. He also has an Apple TV series coming out that looks very promising. Tom Holland does? Yeah. Which one was that again? Oh, gosh. It's I, called you know The Crowded I, Room. We we talked about it. That's right. I totally yeah, it's him, Emmy uh, Rossum, and Amanda Seyfried. So, yeah. I mean, Tom Holland, I find to be incredibly talented. Uh, even in his movie, and he's done a, a couple of bad movies, even one with the Russo brothers. Uh, that one was called, uh, not Rose something. It was called. Oh, uh, cher- Cherry. 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 Thank you. I, I knew yeah. it was something like that. <gasps> That was not good. But I wish you're. I wish you could put out a review on a poster that's just that face in quotations. Just this like, ain't it, that. Coach. This ain't it. Um, but not even good. in see, this is this is the hallmark of a really good actor when they're in something that's bad, but you still go, man. But their performance is really good. Yeah, Tom Holland has got it. He's absolutely got it. Um, but. Yeah, the choices, while I really applaud that he's kind of done the uh, Daniel Radcliffe approach of trying to just to, to pick some really diverse types of roles and things like that. Just, Daniel does a better job at it. Um, his, his handlers are not doing a good job like identifying really good projects for him to do. Maybe this Fred Astaire can be that. I, mean, I think that's perfect casting. I mean, look, he's a world-class dancer, yeah. so... What? Maybe he just needs to get a little weirder. I think that's what Daniel did great is he just went, I'm going to do so much weird shit. Yeah. I'm going to do Equus on, on stage. That I'm was a be, big turning that point. That was yeah, huge. Well, I do yeah. yeah. And, you know, and he had the support of a cast member too that he grew up with doing that and everything. But I think Tom just needs to get a little weirder because Daniel Radcliffe went, oh, I'm diving in the deep end. Yeah. You're not going to see me as Harry Potter in this. And if you do see me as Harry Potter, you're going to have a bad time. Because yeah. what's the one where he plays the corpse? Oh, um, I was gonna say I, that. Swiss Army Knife. Swiss, yeah, Swiss, Swiss Army, Army Man. Man. Swiss Army Man. And then, and then he did horns. some like horns. Horns. Yeah. And then, yeah, he Guns just, Akimbo. Yeah. And, which is and so he's fun. Weird Al Yankovic, mm-hmm. which by the way, he's brilliant. 
as Weird Al Yankovic. And then he can still jump into a, a comedy like, I know it was called What If here in the States and it was the F word overseas, yeah. but he did a rom-com with uh, with Zoe Kazan, I think, that's just delightful. It's him and Adam Driver. I was going to say, that's the one with Adam Driver. Yeah. yeah. Then he they, he also did uh, Lost City mm-hmm. um, with Brad Pitt, Channing Tatum, yeah. and- uh, uh, Deuce the Chameleon. Speed Girl, a girl from- uh, Sandra Bullock. Bullock. Sandra Bullock, thank you. Um, yeah, he could do a lot. I know we're supposed to be talking about Tom Holland, but Daniel yeah. Radcliffe has done yeah, some really cool stuff. And I stuff. think Tom Holland could have that potential, but he just, he's got to dive into that deep end. Get weird, Tommy. Yeah. We saw it when he did the Rihanna thing. All right, what's next? <laughs> From Rihanna Gordon. Rihanna. Uh, next Thursday marks 10 years since Man of Steel was released worldwide and the launch of the DCEU. Wow. Looking back, how disappointing has the past decade been for the shared universe franchise? I mean, it all depends on who you ask. Like, listen, I I am one of those people that other than Birds of Prey, I liked every single one of the DCU movies. I liked them all. Uh, I mean, I liked, uh, obviously, I love Man of Steel. I love that. That's a top 10 movie for me, or top 10 comic book film, I should say. I, it's the most underrated, I think the most underrated comic book film of all time. But I liked... Uh, Aquaman. I liked Wonder Woman. I, oh, the other one I didn't really like was Wonder Woman 1984. But I liked Wonder Woman and I liked uh, Batman versus Superman. And I liked both iterations of Justice League. And I liked, I, I like, well, I love Flash. I think Flash is great. I mean, I, I liked them all. But I am one of those people who can acknowledge that even though I liked it, it didn't work. It just didn't work. And this is the thing that is crazy i think about it it's by the way i'm not picking on like snyderverse fans for this because you'll this is true of all groups of fandom this is true of all i'm just going to use them as an example right now right you got to be able to separate your own personal feelings about something and then take a step back and just acknowledge that something wasn't working because a lot of people in the snyderverse just kind of felt like okay so Mm -hmm. the audiences and the critics didn't really like the movies but if we just keep doing them eventually they will it's like that's that's not how it works. Like I believe, believe me, I like these movies. I wanted to see Ben Affleck keep making Batman films till he was 70. I wanted to see Henry Cavill keep being Superman till he was 70, but it, it just didn't work. You look at how Marvel worked and it worked and it didn't work here. And they, they needed to change things up, but my God, 10 years since that man of steel came out, I can still watch that movie every month for the rest of my life. God, I love that film. So good. Anyway, all right, what's next? From Amin, November is going to be a massive month. We've got Dune Part 2, Hunger Games, The Marvels, Napoleon, and Wish. Which films make the most opening weekend? Which one wins the box office in the end? And which one do you think will be the best film? Well, Dune is going to be the best film. Although... I don't know. I'm kind of thinking on Napoleon. They showed us a bunch of... They, they showed us a big scene in Napoleon at CinemaCon this year. And I, I think it's fair to say we were all kind of stunned. I mean, it it it, it was a big action sequence that they showed us in Napoleon, and it, and it does look fantastic. However, no one speaks French right now. I have more faith in Denis Villeneuve than I have in Ridley Scott. I don't get me wrong; I love Ridley Scott, but I have a, I saw what Denis did with Dune One, and Dune Two is only going to be better. So I think Dune 2 is going to be the biggest. I th- I think it's probably going to be the biggest film financially. I think it'll be the best film financially. Or sorry, the biggest film financially and the best film quality-wise. That's my guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what else was on that list? So we had Napoleon, Marvels, Wish, The, the Marvels, Marvel, um, uh, Hunger Games. Games. I'm very curious about Hunger Games. I think they showed us the trailer for it at CinemaCon. It, it looked good. I'm just very curious... Are people going to go see it? People in that theater, though, at CinemaCon reacted rabidly. Yeah, they did. I was floored by the reaction. And I'm assuming that's because of what Hunger Games has done for their theaters personally. Yeah. But because it was, oh, yeah, this looks more interesting than I was giving it credit for. But I didn't have that kind of primal, yeah, response to it that so many other people seem to have. So Again, I got to admit, it looked better than I thought it would. I'm just saying again, I'm going to be really curious to see if it gets an audience out. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't, I, I, I won't, again, this is kind of like Flash to me. I won't be surprised if it makes 50 million opening weekend. I won't be surprised if it makes 120 million opening weekend because I just have no idea right now. Yeah. All right, we got time for a couple more. What's okay. next? 
from uh, Red One Real Talk. I often tell friends that you should be able to enjoy a sequel without watching the original film. Watching originals may enhance the experience, but I don't think people should miss a film in theaters because they want to catch up on the originals first. Films like Top Gun work perfectly without seeing the first. What are your thoughts on this debate? It all depends on the nature of the sequel, right? It all depends. I would never tell somebody to see Empire Strikes Back without watching Star Wars. Like it, like it's true what you're saying in terms of say, let's take the Hangover series, right? Hangover 2, while having the same characters and, and stuff like that, is essentially completely independent of Hangover 1. It's not a carry-on story. Again, like you said, you will have a deeper appreciation. You'll catch more of the nuance if you watch the first one. Yes. Top Gun Maverick is the same thing. You don't need to have seen the first Top Gun to see that movie because it's not a continuation of the story per se. But some things are designed as franchises. Some things are designed, for instance, I would never recommend somebody to watch Dune 2 without watching Dune 1. That would just be a bad idea. So it all depends on the nature of the sequel. Is it is it a sequel that is meant to be a part of an ongoing story franchise, or is it a sequel that is kind of like an, an individual standalone chapter? Because in those, yes, they got to be able to stand on their own. Otherwise, it's a little bit more connected. So maybe you should go watch uh, the first one. All right, let's do one more. What's next? Okay. From uh, Cyan10101, if this isn't a topic, I saw the news that actors overwhelmingly voted in favor of a strike if negotiations can't be made. Yes, actually, damn it, I forgot that we were, should have done talked about that today. So the we from what I saw, I believe the the actors voted ninety seven percent, ninety seven point sixty nine percent. Oh wait, no, ninety seven percent, but only forty seven or no, ninety seven percent, but then forty five point. 69 people turned out for voting. So we needed over 75% for us to vote in Get favor quorum. of a strike, right? So you only got 50%? We, only, we had less than 50% of our members come out to vote. Uh-huh. So the strike is authorized, but I think that's the more interesting story here ultimately is that more than half of our members did not even participate in this vote. And I find that very disheartening. But didn't you as a say they needed 75%? We needed to have a 75% percent vote in yes in favor of okay over did you have any kind of quorum rule that you needed at least minimum a certain percentage of the of the no, members to vote no not, okay not in this case um but i find that very very upsetting Where? that this is a very big thing and what i think kind of factored in here is one a lot of people kept getting the deadlines and dates wrong because people were phone banking and they'd call and say oh i've got time for this vote and instead of just doing it everyone's just kind of putting it off the other thing was back in 2020, the last time we got postcards in the mail telling us, hey, vote yes on this thing, is when a whole bunch of people got booted off of healthcare. And so I think a lot of people within SAG-AFTRA just don't even trust their own union that much anymore. Does this not weaken the position of the union that not even half of the membership bothered to vote? It doesn't weaken our negotiations we can have, right? Because again, we've got Duncan Crabtree, Ireland, negotiating on our behalf. He's our chief negotiator. I feel very, very strongly that he's going to do a great job with our negotiations, particularly in light of what he said about the DGA and everything. Hey, you know, that's great. They got a deal. Our deal is contingent on our needs. If they got something good for them, we're still willing to negotiate and get what we need. But the fact that we have so many members not showing up, I feel like this is why when we have things happen within our union itself, we we have people complain about SAG who aren't involved in the union that they still pay dues for, which is wild to me because there are so many issues that we all fight about in union, right? There's still political parties within the union of, hey, we all need this thing now. No, we need this. Hey, this is how our auditions should work. No, they shouldn't. And there's so much infighting. And then now, now there's just so many people who are just, who can't be bothered. It just reminds me so much of current voting and our current political landscape that I'm really bummed out of, but this is our livelihoods, you guys. Why did so many of you not show up? Because I'll tell you what, if I'm, it, I'll, let me play devil's advocate for a second. If I was a part of the AMPTP right now, I'm looking at that and I'm going, we've got them bent over a barrel. Because you know what? We're going to let them strike. And because I'm looking at that, and I'm seeing apathy. Mm-hmm. And when the, again, I'm playing devil's advocate here. If I'm on their side, I'm like, let them strike. 
after a month or two of not getting paid, these the killers don't even care. They didn't even vote. Well, these We're are things you've got to remember about our union, too, though. We're the largest of the three. Yeah. Because now, especially in recent years, you just have to get like three vouchers to become a union member. So you can do background and do this, which is great. There's nothing wrong with that. If you want to be a background actor who gets, you know, pensions and gets a union rate, that's fantastic for you. But more and more people can join our union in an easier kind of way. We also have so many people who already aren't working actors prior to these negotiations, right? The statistic is that I think about 3% of people who are in SAG are working actors, which makes you feel good when you're getting some bills paid. But it also just goes to show how difficult this industry is. Being a SAG member used to be this amazing moment in your career, this milestone of, I'm, I'm a real freaking actor. I made it. I got my SAG card, baby. That's why when we have the SAG Awards that... I'm a member of SAG-AFTRA is always a thing that they open up or I'm a SAG actor. And nowadays it doesn't have that same kind of oomph to it. Right. So there's a lot we got to work on and people got to start showing up because you can't complain if you don't vote much like anything in life. Yeah. Still stunning that they're not even 50%. I'd be curious to find out what the percentage vote was for the WGA when their, when their writers voted to authorize the strike. I'd, I'd be curious. Cause I don't know. Maybe it's close to the same number. Maybe it's higher. Maybe it's lower. It's, that's a stunning one for me for somebody who's not in the union. Anyway, guys, that'll do it for today's installment of the John Campia Show podcast. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to our YouTube channel members for sending in those questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun and interesting things to talk about. But number two, just by being our YouTube channel members, you support our channel. So thank you guys so much for that support. Uh, don't forget just a couple things, guys. Number one, we do have a YouTube channel for those of you listening to our podcast where we do short videos every day that we think you'll find rather interesting. Go on over and check it out. Also, we have a newsletter. Look down in the description of this show and you'll find links to our newsletter that will be sent out to your inbox every day if you want to go and sign up to it. We think it's rather interesting. And don't forget to come back and join us again tomorrow. So for myself, Ray Ora. Jonathan Voiko, the delightful Chris Carr. Bye, y'all. Until next time, my friends. Bye-bye.